Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, shaving your downstairs area can be difficult, but those troubles are a thing of the past with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring skin-safe technology, it glides nice and smooth, so you're not in any danger of nicks and cuts to your delicate downstairs area. It also has a convenient LED light, so you can see where you're trimming, plus it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. I've been using mine for a few weeks now, and it's awesome. It works great, and it will totally change your grooming game. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes included in the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Crop Reviver and Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get all these great products, as well as a super comfortable anti-chafing boxers, plus a great travel bag to carry it all in. The Perfect Package is valued at over $150, but right now you can get it all for just $89.99. Manscaped features some of the perfect gifts to give to the men in your life. Gift your friends, your family, and yourself the gift of Manscaped. Right now, when you go to manscaped.com, you can use the code BABBEL and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's BABBEL, B-A-B-B-L-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. And we are live for the 84th episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. I'm your host, Matt Loves Luigi. Uh, unfortunately, Luigi's not with us uh, again tonight, uh, recovering from um, some outpatient procedure. I hope he's well. Uh, tonight, we got G and Gus on the pod. And of course, I'm Andrew. What's going on, guys? What's up? Everybody doing well. It's good. Yeah. Well, um, we're doing well. Uh, the that was relative, not as much, right? You know, uh, <laughs> Gus is already lying. That's good. Hey, right. now, come on. <laughs> so we're recording this uh, about 9 p.m. on Thursday, April 15th. Uh, Yankees coming off a two and four road trip, uh, dropping two out of three each in Tampa Bay and then Dunedin against the Florida Blue Jays. Um <laughs> Obviously, there, there's not a lot of good news going around uh, outside of health. I mean, for the most part, the Yankees have been healthy. So I guess that's the one thing we don't have to, to bitch and moan about on, on this episode. But generally speaking, the team has been pretty dreadful. And yes, it's early. Yes, they're probably going to turn it around and make us all look foolish for freaking out this early in the year. But there are some issues that we're going to dive into tonight. So... I'll just toss that to you guys to get started here. What's our general feeling on where this team is right now? What are you seeing that you like? What are you seeing that you don't like? Uh, go ahead, floor is yours. Okay, so for me, I pretty much feel like the Yankees are still partially at spring training. Like that's basically the vibe that I'm getting is that like they've traded the last two weeks, like more of spring training and, you know, with Aaron Boone as their manager, they haven't yet come out of spring training, like white hot and like, Oh, we're putting the league on notice. Like they've been one of the better teams traditionally over the course of a full season. And that's wonderful, but they've come out of the gates pretty slow. And I think this is kind of not to say like it's the worst, but like it's kind of glaring this year because coming into this year the narrative was like you know oh this has got to be the year they finally have to break through you know the clock is ticking etc etc they redid the pitching staff 
you know, judge is healthy and et cetera, et cetera. But like, I just feel like they basically had just been sort of sleepwalking. And I think that's gotten better over the last several days. You know, the, some of the, you know, stats and sabermetric type numbers are starting to tick in the right direction. But generally, I feel like they have kind of just, you know, got out of the gates with their shoes tied together a little bit. Yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, it's certainly, uh, especially on the offensive end, but I'll tell you what I do like. Uh, Garrett Cole, fellas, Garrett Cole's doing some pitching. How about a 1.47 ERA in his first three starts uh, and a 1.18 FIP? So that's, you know, it's not not a uh, not much discrepancy there, so that tells you how well he's pitching. Uh, only giving up one home run, you know, we saw – kind of a, a, a bit of a jump in those given up last year, obviously a, a shortened season, uh, but he has come out of the gate. Speaking of coming out of the gate firing, that's one guy that has come out and done exactly what he's supposed to do and a little more, really. He's given the Yankees such a great chance to win every time he's been on the hill. Yeah, I mean, he's been like all the way on top of his game. You know, he came out absolutely on top of his game and ready to go. And that's important, you know, one, because you, you want to have your players, especially your best players, playing well for as much of the season as possible. Uh, but just because the Yankees have some guys who, as we're kind of, you know, coming around to coming to grips with, like Jamison Tyone, Corey Kluber, pitched well in spring training, but, you know, the regular season is different. And now we're kind of all coming to grips with, like, they are probably going to be good, but it's the regular season. It's different, and they're going to have to have time to readjust to that because they haven't pitched well yet. Yeah, that's one thing that I do want to just diffuse right out the gate because you, you see the narrative on Twitter. You see it in the newspapers, whatever, maybe on talk show, you know, radio talk shows. Um, it's Garrett Cole and pray for rain, which is we, we had the issue last year. We said Tanaka and pray for rain in previous years. I, I don't think that's the case where, where the Yankees have one bona fide star in the rotation and then just four crapshoots or, or mysteries or, or total losses, or, you know, you kind of hope you get the best out of them, but you're expecting the worst type deal. That's the case right now, but it is very early. And I think part of G like what you touched on is related to the fact that Kluber and Tyone are coming back off lost seasons. In in Tyone's case, it's consecutive lost seasons. So would it have been nice if they came out of the gate and pitched really well and, and surprised us all and gave the Yankees quality innings? Of course. Is it fair for us to have expected that? Probably not. And I still believe in them, particularly Tyone, because he's still young and he revamped everything in his arsenal. Over the past few years, I think they'll get there. It may take until, you know, this is going to suck to say, but mid-May, June maybe. So we're going to have to tread water in some of their starts until they get ramped up. And that sucks, and that puts a strain on our bullpen and potentially puts you in a position to drop some ball games. But the most important thing for the Yankees, if we believe in them long-term, if we think they're built to make a run into October, is that they'll accrue the wins they need to to hopefully – take the division at the very least, make the playoffs. And if the pitching staff is rearing a go by that point, then it doesn't matter what they did. You know, we're not going to remember that Corey Kluber's second start of the year. He, he didn't get out of the third inning in Tampa Bay and got bludgeoned, right? If, if he's pitching six innings, seven innings, 
giving us a chance to win in October, it doesn't matter what happens early in the year. So I think the, the, the one the one weak link in the rotation is Domingo Herman, and he's already been optioned down. So the Yankees are going to kind of figure out that spot on the fly. But probably the bigger issue at this point in the season is is the offense. So we're probably going to stress most of this episode on, on what's going on there. Uh, so Matt touched on it a little bit. I know guess you kind of focused on, on Garrett Cole, but I'll, I'll toss back to you guys. What's going on with the offense? Why can't we score? Why can't we get hits with runners in score position? Why can't we hold leads or build leads early? You, you know, it's funny because, you know, the Yankees have like, you know, Aaron Judge and they have Stanton and et cetera, Gary Sanchez, like they have all the big names and the offense has not come out of the gates very, very good at all. Um, but I just think it's funny because for all the last couple of seasons, you know, the Yankees, people are saying, we need pitching, we need pitching, we need pitching. And even though they're five and seven, which considered how they played at times seems like kind of a miracle. People have been saying, you know, the pitching staff has been pretty successful. They've been the strength of the team, which, you know, they have to be referring to the bullpen. But, you know, other than Garrett Cole, he's the only starter who's been even remotely consistently good for the first two weeks of the season. I just think it's funny. But I'll let Gus kick us off on the offense because the offense has not really been that good at all. I just think that's a funny little thing that's been around the team so far. Yeah, um, like you guys said, really not not very good and kind of inconsistent. You know, you look over that um, that that raise in those Blue Jays series. You know, five runs, zero runs, eight runs, three runs, three runs, four runs. Um, I believe that it, if their league average still sits at four, um, or their their average per game still sitting at four, um, and yeah, it's just it's really been not not really fully in gear um, pretty much team wide, you know, judge of course, hitting two home runs um, in that last blue Jays game. He seems to be kind of getting it going a little bit, but other than that, there hasn't been a ton of consistency from the regular guys. Um, your, your LeMay Hughes, your uh, Glaber Torres is and your Stanton's um, Kyle Higashioka. Meanwhile, has come out, also very hot was all of the offense uh, in the game that they won in Dunedin against the uh, Florida Buffalo Jays. Um, but other than that, yeah, it just hasn't been a, a ton of um, really not a ton of offense. Anyway, you slice it, they're not really hitting for average, which of course they're not going to do a ton of, but they're also not hitting for power. Um, and Hopefully, you know, over the next few weeks, they can start to kind of piece it together a little bit. Um, but I think a guy that really needs to to start getting going, DJ LeMahieu, his his barrel percentage this year for per plate appearances is only 3.9. Um, he does have a home run on the year, and he's hit a, a few balls hard. But we've also seen, and, and this is adding to um, – the new problem this year, which seems to be uh, the Yankees love grounding into double plays. He is rolling over on a lot of pitches. Uh, so I think just, just they, they need to get into gear soon and, you know, hopefully stop hitting into double plays. That, that, that's, I think the biggest problem, right? And Gus, you kind of touched on everything that I, I want to get into here is obviously the double plays are a huge pain in the ass. And is it, 
an aberration? Is it, you know, an outlier that we're going to look back on in the middle of the summer and we're stinging the ball and say, yeah, remember that week where we hit him a bunch of double plays and we lost a couple of games? Ha ha ha. I hope so. I hope it's just an isolated incident, right? But what's concerning is that they are rolling over a lot of balls. And it's not just DJ. Judge is doing it a bunch. Um, in the impact that he's not putting good barrels on the ball, right? Um, obviously, Stanton has hit a lot on the ground. Now, his are generally harder hit, but they are still on the ground. Uh, Glaber Torres has had a lot of weak pop-ups. There, there's just a lot of guys up and down the, the order who aren't really putting good wood on the ball. And the problem with the way this team is built, right? At least right now, right? Is you mentioned the, their most recent win, the backup catcher for the, the weight of the offense, the entire offense, the day before that they won in extra innings by putting up four runs in an inning. that started with the guy on second base, but leading up to that 10th inning, they were something like one for 11 with runners in scoring position. And they got bailed out that they got a couple hits in that inning and that Tampa didn't, put their foot down on our throats when they had opportunities earlier in that game. So there's a lot of, of issues. And, and Lindsay Adler wrote a really good piece in, in the athletic today that I, I do want to call out. There was two points specifically with the Yankees is that there's not one key hitter that, you know, the rest of the offense is struggling, but there's one guy who's just going out there and mashing every night. Like Gio's kind of, he's, he's been about what we expected, right? Um, Judge hit a couple home runs, but is generally up and down. There's not one guy who everyone's tuning in to watch every night and who's tearing the cover off the ball and the rest of the team's not holding up their weight. The example she used is the Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr. He hit a seventh home run today and they're sitting at five and eight, but it's exciting to watch this guy tear the cover off the ball every day. And the other point she made is that the Yankees aren't a great defensive team right now. They're not getting a lot of length from their starters and they're really not good on the base paths. I think they, they've given away like two full innings of, of outs on, on the bases in just 12 games, which is just really egregious. So a team that hits home runs can cover up for those mistakes, right? But they're not hitting a lot of home runs right now. So it leaves that underbelly fully exposed. And that's why these games are so ugly. That's why they're losing a bunch. And it's frustrating that I know you can't do anything about the way the team is built right now, but I personally don't like that structure where you need these guys to hit a bunch of home runs to cover up for your shortcomings somewhere else. Home runs are nice when they supplement you. When you're doing everything right on both sides of the ball, you hit a couple bombs, just blow the game open, right? But we're not doing that right now. And and this is why we failed in the postseason the past few years because you get games like this where you stop hitting home runs, all of a sudden you're making some errors in the field, you're not running the base as well, you're not getting past the fourth or fifth inning from your starting pitching, it's going to be tough to win that way. Yeah, I mean, the, so <clears throat> the at-bats, I think, have gotten better over the last few days, even though they're not really connecting on the hits. You know, they get people on base. They're not really connecting on that one hit, you know, that'll that'll keep it going or that will, you know, bring multiple runs home. Like, you know, it, it, the lineup is not, you know, flowing like that yet. I think it's kind of getting there in terms of that one guy. I think right now it has to be Aaron judge. Um, he is his hard hit percentage on the season is 61%. So like he's hitting the ball. Well, um, it doesn't seem like there's any, 
you know, super, I don't know, lingering, whatever, from that side soreness that he had. We were all terrified for a couple of days, but, you know, there hasn't been anything about that since. So that's, you know, thank goodness for that. Like, I think the at-bats are getting better. But, you know, as Aaron Judge said in his postgame, they're not banging. <laughs> they're not hitting home runs. They are tied for 16th with about six other teams. They have 13 home runs, and two of them are by the backup catcher. So, you know, it's no secret that the lineup is built around home run hitters. They're not, you know, going to hit 300 all of them. But, like, you know, it's kind of funny because DJ LeMahieu is batting 295, and it seems like oh, like a disappointment for him. Like, there's so many numbers that you'd think that's kind of okay. But they're disappointing because they're not getting extra base hits. They're not hitting home runs. They're not performing as they usually do. So I think as hopefully these next couple of days go on, it's going to be annoying because the Rays seem to have some, you know, voodoo magic nonsense that they do that confuses the Yankees. But, like, I think, I hope... Those at-bats continue to get better. Some of their hard-hit numbers continue to tick up a little bit in the right direction. And you'll start to see, hopefully, a few more balls leave the yard. Aaron Judge was, you know, on a couple of them the other day. But I think it was just so frustrating because they look so awful. But, you know, I think they're getting in the right direction. Yeah, um, I, I do think. You're right. They're walking a little bit more. One thing that I think we should touch on too, uh, the Yankees have Rudet Odor now. Um, you know, lefty, another lefty bat, kind of a utility infielder guy, a kind of acquisition that's. Uh, I don't think a lot of us saw coming, and he's been finding yeah, himself. None of us saw it coming, and we were all completely and totally confused by. Like, <laughs> right, he's finding himself in the lineup. Um, did have a big hit in that series at the Trop. Um, and uh, maybe he'll start to find his feet in pinstripes as well. And Boone has um, definitely seemed uh, interested in getting him in the lineup regularly. Yeah. It's it's hard to run a guy like Jay Bruce out there, though, every night. And, and it's at a point, though, where <sighs> DJ's playing first base and, and Odor is at second base. I don't know if I love DJ at second base. I don't like Odor as an everyday player. we got to yeah, start talking about Mike Ford again, right? I, I know G's not the biggest fan of him. But I mean, it's I'm hard to be worse than Jay Bruce is. <laughs> well, so it's a lot easier to have this conversation when Luke Voigt is out. But that's only going to hopefully last another month or however many weeks. Like, you know, they're all pretty optimistic he'll come back in May. So once Luke Voigt is in the lineup, which, you know, is probably what, four out of five games, the Yankees get these guys at least one day off every week, it seems, which is fine. Like, I'm whatever, I'm at peace with that. Like, I just think that he seems like more of like taking Tyler Wade's spot and like spelling someone at second base once every few days more than he is just like a, we have to find the way to get this guy in the lineup every single day. He's not that good. He's, well, interesting. He's okay, no, he's not that good. It's interesting you bring up Tyler Wade because he's the one who paid the price for Odor getting added to the roster. Right now, the Yankees don't have a true backup shortstop. Um, that's being fulfilled by Gio Urshela, which he looks fairly comfortable there, but he also I, don't, I don't like that as a long-term solution uh, on days that, that Gleyber Torres gets a day off. And, and speaking of Gleyber Torres, what's going on with him? Because we, we know his defense. We, we kind of dragged on about it in the... I don't know if it was last podcast or two ago. It was when the last he, one. 
yeah, so he made that big error. What was it? The the extra innings the game against or, Baltimore, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, and if a guy like that is hitting, um, I'll give you an example. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast too, Fernando Tatis Jr. Obviously, he's out right now with an injury, which sucks. But he has a bunch of errors this year too before he got hurt, but he was at least doing some stuff offensively that Glaber Torres has yet to show. Uh, Glaber is sitting... 220, which is okay. His slugging is 268, though. He's not putting good contact on the ball. He has a couple of bloop singles here and there. Uh, I mean, if you, what you're talking about, I don't have it in front of me right now, but he has he has nine hits, are all but one singles, and then there's a double in there. I think like that's that's not that's not going to get it done. And I don't need him to hit 30 home runs this year. If he can, awesome. And I know he's capable of that. But guys like Glaber. Aaron Hicks and Giancarlo Stanton need to really start carrying some more weight in this offense. Uh, I think DJ will come around. I think he's not going to play too much. Gary's been fine. Brett Garner's been a nice surprise. Aaron Judge looks like he's he's over the the injury. Um, and then Clint Frazier as well. I mean, it's it's just unfortunate that we're having this conversation with four ninths of our opening day starting starting lineup, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'll say this about I'll say this about Glaber Torres because I jumped up and down on the guy the last podcast. I was, you know, very mad. I think rightfully so because he couldn't throw to first base. And if you look at the tape of that particular throw and a lot of other ones from earlier this season, his arm slot was so low. You know, he's like Darren O'Day. He's throwing sinkers out there to first base. That, you know, the throw from Baltimore series didn't even make it to the cutout of the grass. Like it was really a bad throw. Um. But you look at some throws he's made, you know, over the last couple of days since then, and arm slot was a little bit higher, throw seemed a little bit stronger. Like, I think all that stuff that they talked about in spring training was true. You know, I'm not saying he didn't do any work. I don't know. Sometimes it just doesn't translate or you fall back into your habits or whatever. Like, every now and then you just need, like, a snap, you know, smack upside the head reminder. And, um, you know, so I think... The throws have gotten better. They've seen better over the last couple of days. So I'll give him credit for that. Like, obviously, I'm sure you heard a lot of flack from everyone in the days following that. He made a really bad throw and it cost them a run. And uh, I think the throws have gotten better. And I think also, you know, he's he's tied for the team lead with DJ LeMayu and walks. He's got seven walks. He's got an on-base percentage of 333. He's putting together decent at-bats. And he's still getting on base. You know, he's, I think when we talk about Glaber hitting, everyone kind of automatically thinks about like Baltimore from 2019, where he was just like tormenting them and hit 16 home runs and all that type of stuff. Like, I'm not saying he's going to do that to the whole league, but he's not a 220 hitter in any capacity from what, when he's been to the major leagues, he's, he's not that bad of a hitter and he's just not really hitting yet. One thing I'm noticing about Glaber though, is he's second on the team with 12 strikeouts. Um, he has admittedly one less strikeout than Jay Bruce in not in nine more at bats. Um, Jay Bruce is striking out a third of its at bats. We, we don't have to talk about him anymore in this podcast, but, oh, we will, but Glaber, we'll Glaber had, had this, had this knack for, especially in 2019, and they talked about it a bunch in the ALCS too against Houston, that he'll he'll shorten up his swing a bunch with two strikes and fight off some pitches, and instead of swinging for the fences or for the gaps, he'll just try and put a ball over the second baseman's head with, with two, in two-strike counts, and he's not doing that. He's got this long, loopy swing with two strikes. Um, it makes me wonder, because there's things I'm noticing with him, 
things I'm noticing with, with Stanton, uh, with Frazier as well. And certainly I'm by no means an offensive expert or a hitting coach, but what is Marcus Timms doing when he sees these flaws and these guys swings and their approach and their mechanics and maybe they are working on it behind the scenes and we're not hearing about it, but it sure looks like we're seeing the same mistakes day in and day out. And if your technique doesn't change, you shouldn't expect the result to change. So let's talk about what's going on with Marcus Timms real quick. I, we don't have to spend more than a few minutes on this, but I, I think it's fair to question his, his job security at this point, right? Obviously, again, 12 games and they could get white hot starting this weekend against Tampa and everything we say, you know, make, make me eat my words. But with the way the offense is floundering and showing very little signs of improvement, it makes you wonder that what, what do they do in spring training to prepare and why aren't they making adjustments on the fly now? Like, like pitchers see what hitters do and they make adjustments and they pitch them differently and they get them out the next time. Hitters can do the same thing. They can see how pitchers are going to face you know, what pitches you're going to get, how they're going to attack the zone based on how they do other other opponents and then how they've pitched to you in the past. So you have that same video advantage and I feel like we're not utilizing that. I will well, say that you and I have had this conversation, but I'm much more interested in hearing Gus's perspective on it first. I, I don't think it's fair to question the man's job security, but I'll come back to that. Gus, you go. Well, I, you know, I think... <laughs> The Yankees in general are, and this goes for you know a, a ton of teams, not just in baseball but in sports. They're very guarded over how exactly their process works. So we're not exactly going to hear about okay, this is what we do precisely to adjust swings, and you know this is all how it all works step by step. Um. So, and these things also take time. So I, I think, you know, if you're really kind of expecting to hear or see, you know, Boone says very obvious things in his press conference. And I think that's by design because you have 29 other teams out there looking for a way to beat you and you don't want to give them anything for free. So I, I it is frustrating um, to not, really know what that process looks like but I, I think unfortunately a lot of that is by design and and you just have to have faith in in the people that are trying to to get this team going and i mean the thing about marcus tims like i think not even just marcus tims let's, let's talk about the coaching staff in general or baseball ops or brian cashman everyone like yankees put together a team of you know mid medium high you know some guys have high batting averages you know they're like a medium kind of batting average team they're gonna have a lot of home runs no one except for dj is gonna bat 350 or anything like that that's fine i'm all at peace with that <clears throat> i think it's very fair to question preparation you know what are these guys doing in spring training that's led them all to come out of the gates like this you know clint frazier and his professional career has never been a 200 hitter you know, he had a pretty good opening series. He went one for 17 or something thereabouts after that. And then Boone gave him three out of four days off. Um, which, for the man who was supposed to be the starting left fielder, which, you know, he was looking really bad. I get it. Get a couple days off. You know, I think it's very fair to question performance. 
and the preparation, why they're all coming out of the gate so slow. You know, Hicks has been awful batting left-handed. Stanton is batting 175. Like, they're all batting very poorly. I don't think if you know how the Yankees organization operates, then you should know that they're just not going to fire Marcus Timms. They're not going to fire him 15 games in a season. They're not going to fire him 115 games in a season. They're going to fire him after the season, or they're not going to fire him at all. So they're not going to fire him. His job is not in jeopardy. But if they keep hitting this way, then his job probably will be in jeopardy, and he probably won't have one anymore. So I, I think it's very fair to question Aaron Boone and the coaching staff's preparation since they don't seem to come out of the gates hot. But I don't think Tim's job is in jeopardy. I also think that for whatever reason, one way or another, a lot of these hitters are underperforming right now with their career numbers. Yeah, look, look. When when the home runs are flying, no one complains, right? No one bats an eye. The Bronx Bombers are in session. It's awesome. But I think we see and we've seen in the playoffs too uh, what this team looks like offensively when they're not hitting home runs. Now, is it a matter of approach? Is it a matter of the guys are just in a slump? But to, they they got to warm up. Um, a, a lot of times, maybe we're facing a lot of pitchers who were really fresh. Like our bullpen looks really good. So other teams bullpen looks really good too. Maybe it's just a matter of them wearing down middle of the year and they're more apt to make a mistake. And then we'll, we'll capitalize that. Who knows? Right. I mean, that's what we hope for that you you're facing as full strength of a pitching staff as you're going to get in the first few weeks of the season. And eventually attrition will wear everyone down and then the offense can, can go off on that. Um, that's the hope. I guess it's to be seen if that actually follows through. Uh, but let's just they're kick back real quick. Walks, so they're still drawing, you know, decent at bats. Even yeah, what but I, I don't care if they hit our base, they can't say, drive them in. Look, well, yeah, that, I mean, that doesn't matter. By our eye test, like, you know, it's not impressive. Like, they're drawing walks, which is they're putting together okay enough at bats to get on base. But yeah, they're not. And then they're backing up, they're backing up a walk with a first pitch double play. It's not the, the, the best way the Yankees can function as an offense is you're drawing walks, but you're wearing down the opposing pitcher. I mean, they've talked about it on the broadcast for the last, I don't know, however many years, probably forever, right? Since guys like Paul O'Neill and David Cohn have been in the booth. Talk about the 90s teams that won those four world championships in five years. They were getting into the bullpens early, the fourth, fifth inning of games. Now, granted, bullpens were garbage back then, and now they're the best part of most pitching staffs now. So it's a different story. But (laughs) if you're you're working – the pitcher in one at bat, and then you give it right back in another. It doesn't matter that you get guys on base. And, and the double plays have definitely killed us, definitely taken us out of a lot of budding rallies, potentially. But they've also had their fair share of at bats with men on runners in scoring position, whatever it may be, with one out or, or, or no outs, and put together two or three shit at bats back to back to back. So it's not always. Oh, you're play. right. It's sometimes right. So uh, the fact that they get these guys on is great, and it's encouraging, and potentially it'll it'll break through down the road. But it's not because they're not getting those big hits. Now, are they swinging I mean, for the fences and like grinding? The, in the, I don't know. The, the the optimist in me is saying that you know they're still drawing walks, so that's you know even with what we would say subpar approach, subpar performance, like they're still drawing <laughs> the sixth most walks in the league, which is nice. It's at this point in the season, it's not like put, put you know, feather in your cap, but it's nice. 
and uh, but they're not doing the other parts. You know, they're not connecting. Like I said before, they're not getting the rallies there. I don't think they're going to hit into 15 double plays every 12 games for the rest of the season. But right now, it's really bad. Jay Bruce hit into two the other day on his own. Like it's. And like, you know, it goes back to some of the stuff, you know, they're rolling over, they're not hitting the ball hard, they're not barreling, et cetera, et cetera, sabermetrics, but like they are not, they're not, they're not, they're not finishing, they're not doing all the other shit. They're getting on base when they do get on base, they're not doing all the other shit to get, to get the runners around. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys really said it. Um, and it is, it is frustrating. Um, and you look at the kind of the barrels per plate appearance uh, Yankees leaderboard for at least guys who have had some plate appearances and it's, there's not a lot of good here. <laughs> you know, Higashioka is scorching and judge is starting to heat up um, and Gary's hit some balls hard. But other than that, you know, there's, there's really not a lot here, but yeah, like you guys said, um, they're at least working counts. Um and, you know, hopefully they can, can start to kind of find it. Um, and, yeah, it, it is frustrating that we really don't know what that, that preparation or that adjustment process looks like. Um, but I, I do think it is kind of a product of, of how you have to operate. It, it's especially funny to me because <clears throat> this spring, what did you hear about? you know, uh, the gas station. The Yankees have this new facility in Tampa. They're going to be putting in all their other minor league things. It has state-of-the-art cameras and numbers and data, et cetera, et cetera, for all the pitchers. They can go there. <clears throat> you know, you'll see every spin on every stitch, like the gas station. We heard about it. You don't hear anything about hitting, right? Which, I mean, most of these hitters have been really good hitters for a lot of years, so, like, who cares? But, like, now they're not hitting, and we're questioning the the preparation. Like, there's no batters gas station, right? They don't have some high tech facility that they advertise and make T-shirts for for the batters. Maybe they do. Maybe it's just somewhere under the, you know, bleachers or whatever. Like, we don't know about it. But I just think it's funny, right? We heard all that stuff about pitchers. The pitchers haven't been all around like all that good. The batters haven't been good at all, really. But like, you know, I don't know. Just a preparation thing. It's just a funny little funny little thing. Well, I do want to shout out the the bullpen in particular. Uh, we've already mentioned how great Cole has been, but the Yankees bullpen was thought and to be, and we even mentioned this on on a podcast or two, um, a potential underbelly of this team, right? And you look up and down the, the bullpen, you have some guys who've been in and out, like King made that one long appearance, hasn't been recalled yet, should be for this series against Tampa. Albert Abreu came up, got the save in the extra inning game. Um, I don't even actually know if they considered a save because they had a four-run lead. But Justin Wilson came back from his injury. He's looked great. Jonathan Loisga looks very good. Um, Sessa's been more than competent. And and the guys that I'm most impressed with, uh, to be honest, are are Darren O'Day. And and honestly, Nick Nelson. He got roughed up one outing in in Tampa, the, the the Kluber start that he didn't get out. So it was kind of a shit situation for him. But generally speaking, he's been pretty good. The thing with with Nelson is that he's really good in some appearances, and then like dreadful in one or two. So his, his area doesn't always look great. But um, the Yankees have some depth in this bullpen. Obviously, Chapman came back after the suspension, and he, he's working in that that nasty <laughs> new splitter. Uh, they, 
they have some some depth and a lot of guys who can come in in, in any spot and, and get a few outs. Now, are they going to get worn down if the pitchers continue to go three, four innings? Of course. Let's let's hope that that is an issue that corrects itself. But I, I don't want to have the, the bullpen be completely unaccounted for on this podcast because they, they deserve a shout. The bullpen have been heroes so far. Absolutely. I mean, and I think O'Day has really uh, stood out to me. He's just been so consistent um, in – those uh, six games that he's appeared in five and a third innings, only five hits, one walk and six strikeouts, just sitting guys down um, and, and being really precise with that slider and, and that sinker. Uh, he's really impressed me so far. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really, not to say it's like a good thing, but like Zach Britton is out and there's a high leverage spot there that is unaccounted for at this time it's vacant you know you give some of these up-and-comers a chance to pitch more regularly right now i think other than the the guys that we know or that have been around for a couple years uh jonathan loisega has looked really good so far so he seems like he could be on his way um into a more prominent role and uh yeah, otherwise, you know, Wilson just got back and we hope for the best. He was he's been a pretty, you know, good reliever for most of his career. And um yeah, I mean, Nick Nelson, we have to wait and see. I love to see him pitch more regularly, just not coming in, you know, in the fourth inning because our starting pitchers can't keep going. But I am hopeful that that will correct itself and we won't have to worry about it. That's a good point too. I totally forgot that we got this guy, Zach Britton, coming back in, in a few weeks, hopefully, to, to add on to this. Uh, my guess is a guy like Lu- Lucas Lukey probably pays the price because he's shown some some form of, of weakness in, in his recent outings. Now, he's a good story. Uh, he looked awesome in spring training, but he's competent now. I don't know if he'll make it through the season, but uh, he has his place now. He's kind of the mop-up guy when – we get some short starts, but he's been able to, to carry through some, some innings without letting the game get away. Uh, I think he did in that one Tampa game. We lost 10, five, but uh, that's generally it. But, but let, let's circle back real quick and, and kind of go through each of the six games. We don't have to get into each one specifically, but let's just quickly break down the, the series. <laughs> yeah. Of, of, of the Tampa series. And then of the, the Toronto Dunedin, whatever we want to call them, series. Um, so they lost two or three games in, in both series. I think the Tampa series was probably the most infuriating three games, including Sunday's win. I think it's the most infuriating three games that I've watched in a long time, at least regular season games, right? When when the stakes aren't as high as, as the postseason because you're always on edge there. Particularly the game on Sunday that they won, I think might've been the worst. And, and yeah, they came away with the win and every win counts the same, but there were some innings in that game that are, are just beyond inexplicable. Right. So you had the, the Brett Gardner getting canned at, at home or, or on the bases. You had the, the double play by, by DJ on a one Oh pitch that he just kind of like check swing. It was just brutal. Right. You had, I think they had the, the chance to take the lead in the ninth inning too, right? And then, or was that the one with Brett Garner? There was three innings where they, they had opportunities to take the lead and didn't. 
and thank God we got that one hit from Glaber to tie it, and they eventually won it in extras. But the amount of opportunities they were handed on a silver platter and didn't take advantage of, that game made my blood boil like none other. Yeah, I mean, so the first two games of that race series were really bad because they barely had any opportunities. They had about five opportunities uh, with runners in scoring position for the first two games combined. Uh, they got four runs off of Hill and um, and early in that game, and then they kind of let him off the mat, and he got deeper into the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, that that one I think was is kind of a – that, that game on Sunday, even though they won, it was a microcosm, really, because it was like they had opportunity after opportunity, and then they finally broke through in the extra innings, you know, and, and, and got the job done, thank goodness. But it was just, you know, runner after runner after runner, opportunity after opportunity squandered. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys pretty much said it all, you know, and and it's the trap. Nobody likes the trap. Uh, clearly, the Yankees don't like playing there, um, and it, it's just been giving them fits, and this kind of continued. Um, and then you look at that Jays series. I mean, they they can hit, and it. I how many times did Bo Bichette get out in that series? Because I want to say it was like negative two. Man, the Blue Jays, since they're, you know, some of them have been around, you know, a little bit. Vlad Guerrero has seen, a, you know, a bunch of, like, Simeon has had some good times with the A's. Like, as a collective group, they're very young, and they're coming up and establishing themselves. Right now, they're in the category of what I like to call, like, annoyingly good. Not like they're just, like, bulldozing a division, but they're just, like, annoyingly really good right now. And it's, you know... I mean, they're not just going to roll over. They're young kids; they can all really play. They're going to Yankees are going to have to come out and beat these guys, and they haven't yet. I think the most frustrating part of the the Toronto games is that we know they have a good offense, but our pitching staff has generally done a pretty good job of keeping them in check. Right? So they scored three runs in each of the three games uh, to open the season in the Bronx, <clears throat> and then this series we held them to one run the day Cole started uh, with some bullpen help. We lost, we was 6-3 the second game. So, I mean, that seven, was the game that Tyone wasn't sharp. Sorry, sorry, 7-3. Um, but a couple of those runs may have been unearned. And we, we, we kind of didn't do our best backing up Tyone early. And then I think there was a run that scored uh, at the end that may have been on an error as well. And then yesterday's game, Kluber didn't look great, but he battled and left with the lead. And, or excuse me, I think they took the lead after he was out. Right. But I mean, we had a four, three lead and then they kind of chipped away. So they, they still only allowed 13 runs in a three game set. You should be able to win more than one game in in that case. But you, you look at what we did, right? We scored three runs and we won. We scored three runs again. We lost. Then we scored four runs and lost. So that's, that's not a way to build that, we don't have to go on about what the offense. We've already said enough. They're not scoring off runs. They're not getting guys in when they have the opportunity. But that's what makes me as mad as I am about how they finished that Toronto series. Because if we just got bludgeoned, right? If their offense just steamrolled us and they put up like seven, eight runs a game, like they did when we lost a bunch of games in Buffalo last year, then you just chalk it up to our pitching sucks, their offense is awesome, whatever, right? But we had a chance to win those games because. We didn't let their offense have their way with us, and they still found a way to win because they pitched better than we did, or they hit better in the clutch than we did. 
but yeah, so so that was the the, the road trip. The Yankees are are off tonight. They they come home for a rematch series against the Rays starting tomorrow in the Bronx. Uh, there's no announced starter for for tomorrow's game. There's rumors that the Yankees are going to use either some mix of or one of Davey Garcia or Mike King, uh, either in a in a piggyback situation or just a bullpen day, whatever we want to call it. Uh, Tempe hasn't actually announced a starter for all three games. I think Tyler Glasnow is going to pitch on Saturday. That's pretty much all we, we know at this point. Uh, but then the Yankees are going to counter with, with Montgomery on Saturday and Garrett Cole on Sunday's afternoon matinee. This is our chance to to punch back, right? To to get up off the mat and and, and deliver some kind of of message to Tampa Bay, like we're not going to get kicked in the teeth by you guys all year again, like we did last year. Uh, I know that we only played them nine times last year. We get them eighteen or nineteen times this year. We cannot let what happened last weekend in Tampa Bay translate to this weekend. We're back on our on our home fields. We we got our ace on the mound for one of the three games. Granted, they do as well, but. The Yankees got to come out swinging. And uh, Montgomery, uh, I think the best starter not named Garrett Cole so far. He's been, you know, first start was great. Um, and second yeah, I mean, start. He had a good one and one kind of mid one. But, you know, it, I mean, he can be go out there and, and he's looked pretty good. I think better than, uh, certainly than I expected, especially in that first start. I mean, we can talk about qualifying starters because the only one, you know, if we're giving leeway to Corey Kluber and Jameson Tyone, which is fine, coming back from serious injuries, we're giving leeway to those guys. So the only other qualifying starter in the how are we judging them so far this season is Domingo Herman, and he failed because he pitched twice and got sent to the alternate site. So it's kind of like a default situation. Like, he's by default the second best starter that they've had this year. Yeah, and then uh, just another note on Cole, guys, something I noticed. Um, uh, only given up one home run so far, like I said, and kind of you saw him giving up in bunches in 2020, but I know a small sample size, but the four-seam usage is down uh, 52.8% last year, all the way down to 43.2%, and mixing in that changeup a lot more often. I only went to it about 5.5% of the time. It's up to 137 so – Certainly a pitch that he's gaining confidence with. And I think, uh, you know, those home runs last year were kind of a byproduct of him challenging hitters up in the zone so often with that four seam. And now he's mixing in the changeup a little bit more. It's a, it's a bit of a different look. To be honest, that might be uh, Higashioka's type of, of deal because they mentioned he was doing that a lot, shaking off pitches and eventually throwing changeups uh, in his last start in Toronto. And obviously we saw the home runs kind of go away at the end of last season when Higgy was his personal catcher. Now, Higashioka has caught him two out of three times, um, not really doing much to dispel the narrative that he's still his personal catcher, even though they're going to, Yankees are going to claim that they still have faith in, in Gary. I think they're probably going to force. In Gary's defense, Gary has offensively done very well this, so far this season. Right. But I think the Yankees are going to start Gary on Sunday when Cole pitches just so they can keep pretending that they don't have um, a personal catcher for, for Garrett Cole. Of course, this past time, 
what Gary had played the extra innings game and then they played the games on the turf. So that was Boone's out. I don't think they really have it this, this time uh, they have the off day today. They have a night game on Friday and then they have back-to-back afternoon games. So there's no day game after a night game. Um, I think that interferes with Cole's start. I mean, Saturday and Friday, the Saturday is a day game after a night game, but um, Cole will pitch on Sunday back-to-back 1 PM starts. I think they'll pay a lot more attention and, you know, their two positions aren't like, you know, linked per se, but I'll pay a lot more attention to how these lineups are put together once Luke Voigt comes back and the team is whole, right? Once you can't just slide DJ LeMahieu over to second base or once you can't, you know, give Stan a day off and stash Gary at, you know, at DH and put Higgy in there twice a week. Like, I think that'll be kind of indicative. Um, Even if you wanted to say like, oh, well, Gary's not going to pitch five straight days a week. We're just going to give him a, a day off, and that day off happens to be every single time Cole pitches. Like that's all fine and well and wonderful, but like if Gary keeps hitting this way, you're gonna have to put him in there with Cole when they get to the playoffs. So, you know, once once Voigt comes back and they're quote unquote a whole team, I'll be really really interested to see how the pattern of some of these things, you know comes together. I think Voigt coming back is going to have a, a trickle-down effect throughout the, the roster, obviously, right? Um, so if the Yankees don't want to lose Bruce for nothing, they could probably do one of those, oh, he's got a, a calf strain or something like that, right? Just kind of stash him at the alternate site and just give him Simmons bats to see if he can maybe figure something out and then come up the next time two months gets injured. Um, that way, basically, you're cutting him without letting him sign with someone else. Uh, but I think He's obviously the first to go. Uh, Odor, who technically they're not paying for, so they, there's really no skin off their teeth if they just decided the hell with this. But he has two years of team control this year and next. Uh, and that's kind of the Cashman MO, right, to go out and get those guys. You don't have to give up a lot for, and you can get them for more than a year. So I wonder if that's maybe some early insurance for, hey, if Glaber walks, maybe we'll... I don't know, convert Gio to a full-time shortstop and move DJ Oro door to third in 2022, which is way too early to be making that decision considering the free agent class next year. But I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I still don't understand that, that move because if they're going to put him at, at first base, if they were, if they went out and got Odor thinking like, ah, eh, another left-handed uh, first baseman, who's not Jay Bruce and potentially has a little more in his bat. And then I get that, but I still don't really quite understand what his long-term play is here. But ultimately, I know we're going to have to see how these games play out, but what's what's an ideal situation other than, oh, Yankees take three in a row against Tampa Bay? Like, what, what do we need to see to feel better? So when we do our next podcast, whether it be Sunday night or, or Monday of next week, that we're not sitting here feeling like shit again. What, what, what needs to change in this upcoming series against Tampa Bay? I personally would love for John Carlston to hit some balls hard, hopefully, and I would love to see Aaron Hicks get a hit batting left-handed. I would really love to see that. Yeah, that's that's something that this really kind of shocked me. I looked up his, his career Splits. He's a career two twenty seven hitter against righties. Like that. That just feels super low. Um, 
and I guess yeah, this year you know, point zero eight three against righties and three thirteen against lefties, um, which is kind of crazy for a switch hitter for the splits to be that dramatic. Um, but as for for what I want to see, I mean, I think it's just as simple as you want offensive momentum. You want, you know, Judge sort of seems to get going and. You know, maybe if he can continue that, other guys will start to to pick up the slack as well. And you just kind of want that that effect going through the entire lineup, where you start stringing some hits together and and really scoring some runs. So I think it's as simple as you just want some offensive. You really want some momentum. And I'll I'll add on one more thing to my list. I would love to see Clint Fraser play two out of these three games because I'm counting for who knows what, an off day or whatever. And I would love for him to maybe get a hit, if that's so much to ask. He scalded a ball. He hit a ball really hard in his one game that he's played the last couple of days. Um, hit it off the pitcher. And, uh, you know, it was nice. I mean, I don't see the guy David get hurt. <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't want to see the guy get hurt. He really hit the ball hard, and that was good to see. Um so I'd love to see him play in two out of the three games and, you know, start to get some hits like he did in the first series against Toronto to start the season. Right. Right. It, indifferent of the, the game result because it's still early in the year. If the Yankees were, were playing better and we're just losing some nail biters and we're sitting at five and seven, I don't think we care about the record, right? Like look, look at the team in first place in the division. It's the Boston Red Sox. Do we really think that they have staying power? Like if they do, then it would take, everyone by shock, right? It's not just us. I, I think Rays fans, even Orioles fans, all expected, and certainly Toronto as well, all expected to finish better than the Red Sox this year. Now, they're hitting the ball incredibly. J.D. Martinez looks like a world beater. Again, Raphael Devers is apparently back. Uh, so so maybe that's something to monitor, but I don't think they have the pitching to hold up, right? So the Yankees are three and a half games out of first place as of Thursday night. I believe they're a game behind Tampa Bay or yes, a game behind so. Toronto, right? So we're not really we're not falling out of the division early right so even if we were to lose two out of three to to tampa this weekend we're not going to be in a, in a in a huge hole two and a half weeks into the season i just need to see them not roll over and die i think the most frustrating thing outside of all of the the missed opportunities on sunday's game was the friday game they they just got strapped up by by Rich Hill after scoring four runs in one inning against him. And you could see maybe it was just their mannerisms that didn't mimic their, their attitude, but it looked like they were like, Oh, well we got down in this game. There's another game tomorrow, whatever. It's the drop. Who cares? Let's just, just pack up our bags and come back tomorrow and win the game. And what happened? They scored no runs or like one run on like a fluke DJ. What was that? Like a late inning home run, right? That didn't in garbage time. And then they got shut out the next day. So like you set the tone that, oh, we don't care and we'll just figure it out, just whatever, get through this game and go home and take a shower. Like, that's a shit attitude. So I, I, I don't want to see that. I want to see them have fire and passion and grit. And regardless of whether they win one or two or three or no games this weekend, I want to see that, that intensity. I want to see Boone get tossed if there's a shit strike zone. I want to see some fire in the belly of this team that lets me know that they're not just going to roll over and die and that they don't care that they're not winning a bunch of games in, in April. Because ultimately, record in April doesn't matter too much, but the actual attitude of the club 
can translate where they go from here. So that's what I want to say. Yeah. I mean, it's time, you know, it's, it's very, it's very easy for us to say, Oh, it's 12 games into the season and X, Y, Z, it'll be fine, which I believe it will be fine. It is just 12 games, very frustrating, 12 games, but 12 games, a very small percentage. Um, but yeah, I think it's very fair to, to want Boone to come out and, you know, and throw a fit and, and, you know, show some fire because they generally haven't, you know, the Yankees traditionally have this, you know, buttoned up business-like thing about them. I think that's kind of loosened up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think it's very fair, especially when they're in, in, in the doldrums and not performing well. They've Boone has even acknowledged, right? He says, you know, we have to start hitting better. We have to get, you know, crisper and play the game better. Like they all know it. So I think it's very fair to want them to come out and, you know, and show a little bit of fire. Yeah, um, I think I, I agree with both of you guys. You you know, the last thing you want is, you know, for for you like you said, you just you don't want to see them kind of roll over. Um, so being back in front of the home crowd, I think, will give them a little energy too. The home crowd and the fact that yeah. there is one. Let's, Let's hope. Oh, we only have what nine, ten thousand fans in the stand, but um, they they definitely seem to to appreciate that. Granted, they only won three out of six games in front of the home crowd last homestand. But yeah, I, this is this is the time where you got to get going. Now, if, if they don't yet, is it going to bury their season? No, but you could shake off a five and seven start if they win you know, 12 of their next 20 games, right? And they start to turn the tide and you're like, a couple games over 500 at the end of April. You're like, all right, you know what? This is where we are. Okay, let, let's, let's start to get into it, right? Um, so I think that's a good place to to stop tonight. Uh, we'll obviously have um, our, our next pod, hopefully the next after the next series um, over the weekend. And um, for for Gus, for Gene, for Andrew, uh, it's the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. Let's stop stop losing games. <laughs> You're here. <laughs>